0: I think I just heard Billy Honeycutt volunteer to sing a solo. Is that what that was, Billy? Solo. Nobody will hear him, he says. Welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church. I'm so glad to see you. I've been waiting all week to see some of y'all. Are you as happy to see me as I am to see you? Well, then you must be real happy to see me. I've needed to see you guys. It's been a week. Anybody else had a week? It's been a week. Billy, it's, must, it's been a week, hasn't it? That's enough to put the spirit of Ric Flair all up over you. Woo! It's been a week. It's been a week. I am truly glad to see you guys. So let's let everybody know, everyone who is listening across the world wide web, what we stand for. No matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted. And you are loved. Absolutely. Well, um, we are far into a study on the book of Daniel. I hope you've enjoyed it. Everybody knows the story of the Daniel and the lion's den, but there's so much else in the book that, that folks don't know about. We're all the way up in chapter 11 of Daniel, and it starts to get a little bit tough. Now, a lot of people will tell you that, you know, you say, why don't you read the Bible? Well, the Bible's confusing, they'll say. And I'll give you that. There's some parts of the Bible that are confusing, but my suggestion would be start with the parts that aren't confusing. There's quite a bit that's not and work your way up to the confusing parts and eventually you will get around to the more difficult parts and a chapter like Daniel 11 that even if you've been reading the Bible a long time, Daniel 11 is one of those places you're like, what's what's going on here? If you read ahead in this, you probably saw, well, it's like, it sounds like the Civil War, the North and the South fighting, North and South, the North and South. What is all of this about? Now, honestly, I've struggled this week to find a good way to explain the meaning of this in a way that's simple and we can all kind of plug into. So I'm just going to start with something that we do understand. Fair enough? Cute. Cute animals you like cute animals all right if you were going to make a list of cute animals what would be on your list uh, cats i heard cats puppies bunnies i heard snakes but i'm thinking that's not going to be quite that might be a we're gonna we will have to uh, decide on the snakes baby seals okay hedgehogs very cute yeah gophers all animals are cute so one that you did not add here are these guys prairie dogs I'm gonna pick prairie dogs just to be different okay so we have some prairie dogs cute little prairie dogs I'm gonna tell you a story about prairie dogs okay how does prairie dogs have to do with Daniel 11 well, that's why you're here, isn't it? To hear me tell the story. So there's a family of prairie dogs, and they've moved into a beautiful location. They built them a nice little prairie dog town. Don't imagine that it's like buildings. A prairie dog town is like a complex burrow. And they're going, going along pretty well. These prairie dogs, making a good life. They're multiplying. They're prospering. One morning, they crawl out of their burrow to find Bison. Or as we call them, buffalo. Buffalo everywhere. Everywhere they look, there's buffalo. There's two groups of buffalo, two giant herds of buffalo. One to the north, just to the north of the burrow, One to, just to the south of the burrow, And they're just everywhere. And they're not sure what to think about it. And they're hoping, they hope these buffalo move on soon. We don't want any trouble from these herds of buffalo. And for a little while, it's okay. But then a humongous bull buffalo steps out of the herd on each side and face off against one another. And they run at each other, and they bash heads together, and they're prodding each other with their horns, having a horrific fight. It's terrible. Maybe you've seen one of those nature documentaries with bull buffaloes fighting. It's like that, but even worse big problem for the prairie dogs the fight of the two buffaloes is taking place right in the middle of their prairie dog town and it's dangerous the the prairie dogs squeak to the buffalo to tell them to leave go have your fight somewhere else but the buffalo don't speak prairie dog they they ignore the prairie dogs please and they just keep on fighting they they hardly seem to notice the little creatures whose homes and lives they are destroying prairie dogs hoping the fight will end hoping that these two bull buffaloes will eventually get tired and just go home but it it keeps going the fight keeps going for years and when one of the big buffaloes gets old and tired and sick. Another young buffalo takes his place and continues to fight. And so, year after year, the buffaloes are fighting right in the middle of the prairie dog town, and it seems like there's no end. It goes on for generations, and you're going to say, well, why didn't the prairie dogs just leave? Go build another town somewhere else. Well, that's a problem. There's so many buffalo, there really isn't any place to go. The buffalo herds cover everything for a 1,000 miles. Nowhere to go. And of course, they're little bitty prairie dogs. What can they do against a big buffalo? All they could do was try to make a life in the middle of this mess. They were sort of getting by. They were figuring it out. Like we have to figure it out when our life is a mess. We got to figure out a way to get out of bed and keep going every morning. They're, They're still getting up. They're doing whatever prairie dogs do. I didn't research into that, but I'm sure they do adorable things. And they're living their life. And then there comes one of the big buffalo from the, from the northern side. This new buffalo that takes over the fight, he notices the prairie dogs. The rest of them had kind of ignored the prairie dogs, even though they were causing a lot of damage, you see. But this buffalo starts stepping on prairie dogs on purpose and intentionally destroying the things that they try to build. A big, bad buffalo. We'll call him Andy. Andy doesn't seem like a mean name. Every Andy I've ever known has been nice. But that's this buffalo's name, Andy. And Andy is the worst. He's hurting all these, these prairie dogs. They finally have enough. They finally band together, even though they're very small, they band together and chase Andy away and things get better, at least a little bit better. The buffalo are still around, but for at least a little while, there's no fighting, and Andy is gone, at least. But there's a story among the prairie dogs to this day that there will arise another buffalo that's even worse than Andy and will do even worse things than Andy did. So they are preparing, they're watching... For this mean buffalo who will make Andy look as sweet as Santa Claus. Because someday he's going to come. They're prepared for this terrible day to come. And that's the story, basically, of Daniel 11. (laughs) It's a Santa Claus story, it's a Christmas story. So, how is that the story of Daniel 11? The prairie dogs are God's people, they're God's people, trying to make a life in the promised land, a good place place where they're prospering. The two herds of buffalo are the two divisions of the Greek empire that were always fighting each other right in the middle of the promised land. See, God's people were were squished in between these two bigger kingdoms, and the fight, as those two kingdoms were fighting, they were always fighting in the promised land and causing a lot of collateral damage the kings and their armies um, you know there were there were two kingdoms one was in the north north of the promised land one was the south of the promised land and because the promised land is on the border that's where the conflict took place and the lord's people suffered terribly were they looking for trouble just trying to live their lives they were stuck in the middle of a situation that is mostly out of their control and yet they got to find a way to make it work we understand that don't we we often find ourselves in the middle of situations that that we didn't ask for we can't fix and yet we got to figure out a way to live productively in a mess that we didn't make now sometimes we do make our own mess you figured that out right some of our biggest problems we make for ourselves, we make bad decisions, and, and it will cost us the famous line I always tell my kids, and anybody who will stand still long enough is, you may be able to finish this for me. If you do dumb things, dumb things will happen to you. Does that mean that every time you do dumb things, a dumb thing is going to happen to you? No, some t- that's God's grace. Thank you, Jesus. That some of the dumb things that I have done The hammer has not fallen. Does that mean that every dumb thing that happens to you is as a consequence of a dumb decision you've made? No. Some of the problems we have here on this planet are just misfortune. It's a product of living in a world that's broken by sin. But the fact is, if you make a habit of doing dumb things, dumb things will happen. But what about when you're stuck in the middle of a mess that you didn't do, you didn't ask for, but you've got to deal with the consequences now. Well, here we are in our country. Did anybody ask? Any? Did any of y'all ask for gas prices to be what they are right now? Nope. But we still got to gotta put gas in the tank, right? Did any of y'all ask for groceries to go up like they have? No, but we still got to eat. We didn't ask for that, but we got to find a way to figure it out. We're just those prairie dogs stuck in the middle of something that's bigger than us. You know, all around us, the influential people wage power struggles and we didn't ask for that and yet we here we are stuck in the middle of struggles that maybe aren't the result of our choices sometimes so you know what it's like to to have a financial struggle that you didn't ask for that it wasn't like you did something dumb with your money it's just misfortune my family knows medical bills oh my goodness anybody know about medical bills medical bills will break you we know My wife spent most of a decade being very, very sick. I praise God she's doing much better now than she was. But it was like in and out of the hospital, in and out of the hospital for a decade. We understand what that will do. You might find yourself stuck in the middle of some family drama that you did not ask for. And you wonder, does everybody else's family have drama like this? And having been a pastor for Most of my adult life, I will go ahead and tell you, yes, they do. Even preachers' families have drama. I know the fights that go on as you drive to church meetings on Sunday morning, especially when you have small children. I know the threats that are uttered as you get these people out the door. And why haven't you found your shoes? Why do your shoes go to an alternate dimension when it's time for us to leave the house? And so I know about this stuff. I've been there. I've done that. But my wife and I wisely drive separate cars on Sunday mornings. So because she's usually here at the evening service, and she also doesn't like to get to a church service two or three hours early. As crazy people do, like me. Yeah, you you don't ask for some of this struggle. Um, some of that that drama at work. You didn't ask for that. Some of that drama was there before you got hired. Some of it will be there after you're gone. You didn't ask for that. I would say school drama, but school's kind of over now. School school is out for summer, but it's not out forever. Um, Congratulations, by the way, to the class of 2022, Carroll County High School, including our very own Isabel Shockley, my daughter. So... She's a, an amazing, amazing kid um, slash adult. She's a great cadult. She's a cadult. Um, congratulations! And we have some more folks that are connected with the church who graduated too. Hey, congratulations to Mark who graduated too. What school was it? A college in Maine. Yeah. So congratulations to Mark who graduated from college. That's awesome. That's a huge accomplishment. And uh, Mark's originally from Haiti, so he's in another country doing his college. Can you imagine that? That would have been very difficult. Really proud of you, man. Good job. Good job. So um, it always seems like everywhere you go, there's a little bit of drama. And we can't always help that. So what do we do when we're stuck in the middle of something that we can't, we didn't necessarily ask for, we can't necessarily fix, and we feel trapped And helpless and a little bit powerless. Man, I hate feeling powerless. Anybody else with me on that? I hate feeling powerless. I feel like I should be able to fix it. But I can't always. And if I can't fix it, can I outrun it? Can I outwork it? Not always. Daniel 11 is a prophecy of a time period when the whole nation of Israel was stuck in the middle of a mess that they could not fix They had to endure. So let's read a little bit in Daniel 11, verses 2 through 4. And then I'll pray for us. And now I will tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings will arise in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than them all. By his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up against the realm of Greece. Then a mighty king shall arise, who shall rule with great dominion, and do according to his will. And when he has arisen, his kingdom shall be broken up and divided towards the four winds of heaven, but not among his prosperity, nor according to his dominion, which with which he ruled for his kingdom shall be uprooted even for others. Besides these, let's pause there and pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray in Jesus name that you be with us and give us understanding as we tackle this message. God, help us to comprehend a difficult piece of scripture here. And be able to take home the truth to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Daniel is up in years at this point. He's kind of late in his life, late in his ministry. And the Persian Empire has just taken over. This is a few years after the Daniel in the Lion's Den incident. Persia is ruling a huge swath of territory. um, Pretty much all of what we would call the Middle East. And beyond, they owned it at this time but the message here despite persia's dominance is that persia's days are numbered the angel tells daniel that three more kings will arise in, arise in persia and then a fourth king who is more powerful than all of them the bible calls him ahasuerus or ahasuerus most history books will call him xerxes with an x starts with an x same guy He wasn't the last king of Persia, but he did start a fight that finished off Persia. He decided that he didn't have enough territory, so he starts pushing to the east, or to the west rather, and bumps into another empire that's on the rise, Greece. He starts a fight with the Greek empire. Wasn't even really an empire at that point, but it was a a rising power. It begins a series of wars between Persia and Greece that would eventually result, generations later, in a total victory for Greece and an annihilation of Persia. So the the mighty king mentioned here, mighty king, who is the mighty king of Greece that keeps coming up in the book of Daniel? Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, by the time he was like, in 33 30 he conquered practically everything and um at the height of his power what happens he just dies not in battle but of a fever of a mysterious fever who could have predicted that well the book of daniel several times several times in the book of daniel that's clearly prophesied and then his kingdom, because he left behind no legitimate heir, his kingdom is divided up uh, under his four greatest generals. So the what was the unified Greek empire is now broken into four pieces, and two pieces come into this story. There was the Seleucid Greek empire, which was most of what we would call um, the country of Iraq, what would have been called Babylon, it's Syria, Lebanon, those countries... And on down into Israel today, that was one part of it. And then another part of the Greek empire was what we would know as Egypt and North Africa. So if you can picture in a map, I, I didn't get one to put on the screen, a map of the Middle East, and you have kind of up, up here on one side to the northeast, you have like Iraq and Syria and Lebanon, and then you have to the south. West, you would have Egypt and North Africa. What's squished right in between those? Israel, the promised land, the Holy Land, is right in between. <coughs> squashed in the middle. The prophecy of Daniel 11 is written with the Holy Land as its vantage point. So the, the north that is mentioned time and time again, that's the part of the Greek Empire that is to the north of them. That's the, called the Seleucid Greek Empire. The south that's to is the part of the greek empire that's south of them that's the ptolemaic greek empire that's the one that cleopatra was a part of like a hundred years after the time of this prophecy the time that this prophecy refers to i should say so israel is right there in the middle and this chapter is constantly talking about the north and the south attacking each other. It sounds like the American Civil War, doesn't it? The north and the south, the north and the south. The, the kings of the north and the south are the kings of those different parts of the Greek Empire. So the, the king of the north is the, the king of that part of the Greek Empire to the north of Israel. The king of the south is the king of the, part of the, king of the division of the Greek Empire to the south of Israel. And they're stuck In the middle. Now the way this reads, it almost sounds like it happens over a few years. Just a few years and it's the the same two kings, right? But in reality, it's like that story I told you at the beginning. The two buffalo fighting and one of them gets old and tired and somebody else takes over and it it goes through generations. So we see several generations of kings here where, where an older king gives way to a younger king who continues the fight. It's, it's kind of like, imagine a TV show that runs for decades and decades, and it has the same characters in it, the same core characters in it, but every few years, the person playing the lead role gets switched out for someone else, and... They play the same character, but it's a little bit different take on the same character and they kind of are memorable for their own reasons. And you do that every so many years, you'd say, well, that could never work on a TV show. And the fans of Doctor Who says, it can, it can do, it can work, you know, that's not something that's kind of widely watched in America, but it can. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, it would kind of change out every few years with a, a new character, a new king and that's what that's what happened here every generation there would be a new king but the battle would continue and the lord's people are stuck in the middle like those poor little prairie dogs after years and years and years of fighting so in verses 5 through 20 which we don't have on the screen which i encourage you to read you're going to see an amazing amount of very detailed prophecy about the activities and movements of the king of the north and the king of the south and their armies and their heirs it's a fascinating study we could spend about five hours digging through every detail and the of every prophecy and of the fulfillment of every prophecy and of the historical records that verify it and that would just warm my bible nerd heart But I don't have five hours today. And I just see you going, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, some of y'all might sit here five hours. Bless your heart. First sermon I ever preached. There's a few people in the room who were there on the first sermon I ever preached in my life. I was 19 years old. I'd been holding it in for 19 years. And I got up and I preached a sermon. Boy, was it a sermon. Uh, And it lasted a really long time. About an hour and 15 minutes. And it was not good. None of, it was, none of it was not correct. None of it was in error that I know of. But it was long and it was bad. <laughs> the thing is, as a public speaker of any kind, I will tell you, people will forgive you for a long presentation if it's really good. And the longer it is, the better it ought to be. People will forgive you for a very, shor- a very bad presentation if it's really short. But when it's long and bad, it's not going to work for you. You know, I preached that first message, and it was quite some time before they handed me the microphone again. Now, I still preach a long time, but it's gotten better, y'all. It's gotten a lot better, and hopefully... The, the trick is, if you ever got to give a speech, always stop before they want you to stop. Because if they already wanted you to stop, you've gone too long. Some of you are ready for me to stop this illustration. So I've gone a little too long on that. So let me get back to it. My point is, I don't have five hours. I've got about, you know, 15, 20 more minutes to give you something that's going to help you this week. But that's not a problem. Because the heart of this story is not about what a bunch of kings did it's not about kings and armies. It's about everyday people like us, stuck in the middle of a problem that they didn't ask for, that they can't fix, and yet they still got to find a way to get up every day and function. That's a story that you and I can relate to. Amen. That's our lives. We deal with stuff that you know, at best we try to ignore it. I do not watch the news anymore if I can help it because it just depresses me because there's so much that I can't fix. I can pray, I can do my part, but I cannot fix some of this stuff. So I've just got to find a way. You know, the real story here is, is not the buffalo, it's the prairie dogs. It's me and you. Most of the people of Israel would never meet these kings that are talked about in this chapter who made their lives so difficult, and yet they had to find a way. Most of us will never meet the powerful people in our nation and in the world whose decisions, the consequences of which we have to deal with. We, we won't. And yet, we've got to find a way to get up every day and do this. That's so much of that is true with the drama of our lives every day. Some of that family drama you didn't ask for. Some of it got started before you were around, yet you got to find a way. Some of the health issues we face, we might not be able to fix. We we can't just ignore them. We've got to find a way. We can't always get out of painful or uncomfortable situations, and it can leave us feeling weak and powerless and hopeless. That's how the Lord's people felt in these days. But just like life, when you, when you feel like you can't carry any more, what happens? It seems like somebody hands you something else. You know, I, I read a story one time. What's it like having more than one kid? All right, I'm thinking of, we got a family that's got another kid on the way. That's fantastic. You know, congratulations to Bobby and Ashley. Got another little boy on the way. Somebody said, asked a friend, what's it like having a second kid? And they said, well, imagine you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. That's what it's like. You're already drowning and somebody hands you a baby. So now good luck with that. You know, it always seems that way in life. And these guys in Israel, they were already struggling. And then something bigger happens. Another king arose, the most terrible king of this period. Remember the the name of the big, bad, mean buffalo in the story at the beginning? Andy. Well, this guy wasn't Andy. He's Antiochus. Antiochus Epiphanes was a king of the the Seleucid Greek Empire. That's the one to the north side. And he greatly persecuted the Jews. His worst offense against the Jews was something they called the abomination of desolation. If you've hung around church for a while, you might have heard that one somewhere along the way. The abomination of desolation. They called it that because it desolated the temple and they they couldn't worship anymore as they did. They did. Antiochus attacked the temple on the Sabbath day. He stopped the religious practices. He outlawed the religious practices of the Jews. He set up an idol of Zeus in the temple. He sacrificed a pig on the altar and defiled everything with its blood. Killed thousands of believers, destroyed the scriptures, and removed the legitimate high priest and put one of his loyalists in there. Antiochus was one of the most evil rulers in history. For um, you know, if you ask someone today who was the person who persecuted the Jews the most, they might say Hitler. Hitler, yes. But until Hitler came along, it was Antiochus who held that title. Horrible, horrible guy. Finally a hero, hero called Judas led a band of resistance fighters and they chased him away. Not the Judas who's the bad guy in the gospel story. But that's he was probably named after this guy because this Judas was a hero. All of this happened, and it was so bad. Yet, verse 35, let's read verse 35. Verse 35 said that God brought something positive out of it. And some of those of understanding shall fall to refine them, to purify them, to make them white and clean until the time of the end, because it is still for the appointed time. To refine them. The struggle, the pain would refine their faith, not destroy it. I will repeat myself from last week because it bears repeating. Struggle and trials does not destroy faith. It only destroys what we thought was faith, but isn't faith. Because we always have an inflated sense of what our faith is until things get really, really bad and the fire is on us. And the part of our faith that's made out of cardboard, that's just a cardboard cut out of faith. It burns up and what's left is the little bit of imperishable stuff the gold the silver the precious stones that's what's left and that's what happened to them it was a terrible struggle and yet god burned away everything that wasn't really faith and and changed them There's a verse in the New Testament. Some of you know it by heart. If you don't, you need to memorize this one. It's Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for for good to those who love God, for those who are called according to His purpose. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God works all things for the good of those who love Him? Good things? Yes. Bad things? Yes. Yes. And we say, "Hey, man, preacher, that sounds so good. You preach it, preacher. I like it when you preach it like that." Because we're safely inside the church building right now, and a lot of our trouble is out there, not in here. When we're in here, in the safety of a church environment, we can say, hey, "Amen, I believe it. God works all things to the good of those who love Him. And is called according to His purpose." But what about? When you go out there and somebody wants to pick a fight with you, somebody who's supposed to love you and care about you, and why are they acting like this? What about when you're dealing with mean people, jerky people, people who mistreat you? What about when you get rear-ended in the parking lot? Do you jump out of your car and say, Oh Lord, I thank Thee for this opportunity Thou hast bestowed upon me to learn this great lesson of patience and endurance. Lord, I give Thee the glory that Thou hast grown me in my spirit in this moment. Lord, as I gaze upon the crushed rear bumper of my car, I sing Your praises. Lord, would you please send me more trials and tribulations that I may grow in my faith and glorify you in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. No? No? No. Billy says that when someone rear ends you in the parking lot, it's more of an opportunity for that person to learn a lesson. Put a little bit of the the fear of God and Billy Honeycutt in them. Ooh. Woo. Mm. No. If only. If only. We can't. We can't. It's just not natural for us to do that. To be so thankful. Or what about? What about when it's way worse than that? What about when the doctor comes back in the room, and the news they bring is. Not what you wanted to hear. I've been in that room. I will never forget sitting in this little little room outside of the OR at Galax Hospital, and the doctor comes in and he's telling me about my wife. And I say, "Doctor," because he's saying all these things very informative. But I know what he's not saying. Do you understand what you get it? There's something he's not saying. I said, Doctor, is is she going to make it? He said, Mr. Shockley, we can't tell you that. That's tough. I've been there. To God be the glory. She made it. She made it. To God be the glory. My sweet girl made it. But I've been in that room. I've been in that room when they tell you that somebody that you love is going to leave you too soon. When life is just difficult for no doggone good reason. You feel that when you say, Lord, I don't understand why it's got to be so hard. I told somebody one time, we know that struggle builds character, but have you ever stopped and said, Lord, what do I need all this character for? <laughs> I don't need that much character, Lord. I, can, I feel like i got enough. Do you know what? <laughs> I think Smash Mouth had it right. The hits start coming and they don't stop coming. Sometimes life is like that. What about that? Our natural response is not praise. Maybe if you're a super saint, it is. But I'm not. Um When I'm in the middle of the mess, I usually want to ask God, why? Why, God? Why can't things just go right? Why does every dumb thing that I did sometime in the past seem to come back? You ever did something dumb a long time ago and it it just keeps coming back for a visit? Man, why? Why, Lord? Oh, this one's a big one for me. Lord, I'm just trying to do the right thing here. So why does it blow up in my face? Y'all Jesus people get exactly what I'm saying because you've tried to help somebody before and it is blown up in your face. And you say, why, Lord? Lord, if I was trying to rob a bank, I could understand. But I'm just trying to help somebody in need. Why? Why? Why does this person who said they would love me forever not seem to be loving me today so much? Don't make eye contact right now when the preacher says stuff like that. Don't make eye contact. Don't elbow anybody. It's too small a room. You can't get away with that here. Why? We can't see it. When you're in the middle of the mess, you can't see past the pain. and It's later. It's later when you get perspective, usually, for me anyway, for me, after I've already made a mess and, or when the mess is kind of over or when I've been in the mess for long, then I see, then I see what the growth, I see how my faith was refined, I see how my trust is brought to a new level. It's one thing to say I trust God when you got a little money in the bank. It's another thing to say I trust God when you're driving to the gas station and you know you ain't got nothing. And what's God going to do? It's it's one thing to say you believe when the day is easy. It's another thing to say you believe when you feel so beaten down. That's how we learn. I see how God has used my worst days to show me how good he can be. God is not the author of our pain. Don't imagine God as the big kid with the magnifying glass and we're the little ants and he's like, that's, that's not God. God is not the author of our pain, but he's the redeemer of our pain. He can bring good, even out of the most terrible of experiences. And the dark days of suffering under Antiochus Epiphanes made the people of Israel ready for the greatest gift He was ever going to send them. It was only a few generations later that the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, guess what? There's going to be born to you a child, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and He's coming to redeem the people. They were ready The difficulties of the days under the Persian Empire and later under the Romans made the people of Israel ready for the Messiah when He came. Something about suffering, something about struggle, something about getting hit again and again and again. It destroys your illusion that you can handle it on your own without the Lord. And then you're ready. Then you're ready for the redemption. Does that mean I can explain it all? I can't. Not this side of heaven. But I will say this. Every, every tear that you shed, God sees. They are written in His book. They are not without purpose. They are not without power. He will use them if you give them to Him. Every single one. The end of this chapter zooms way back. Those last... 10 verses or so, verses 36 through 45, they, they get that bigger picture. And uh, remember the story from the beginning about the prairie dogs and how the really bad buffalo was there. And then, then, and then they knew that they had a prophecy that someday an even worse one was going to come along. Well, that's where we are here. Daniel 11 ends with a prophecy about another ruler who would arise who would be like Antiochus, but much worse. And we know him as the Antichrist. Like, the, like Antiochus, he would seek to destroy the believers of the true God, defile the temple, destroy religion while building a religion around himself, and he'll invade and conquer most of the world, except for a little part to the east of the Dead Sea, like Edom and Moab and Ammon. And Some people think that's where the believers will hide out during the tribulation period, those who become believers during the tribulation, but in the end... We read here the story of how armies will converge from the north, from the south, and from the east on the promised land, and have a little battle that is mostly known by the term Armageddon, Battle of Armageddon, you've heard of that one, and uh, at the end of that, Jesus is going to come back, the real Christ, and he's going to straighten it all out. Daniel 11 is a story of how God's people were stuck in the middle of a mess they did not make. You feel that. I feel that. Although we make some of our own trouble, maybe a lot of our own trouble, you are facing some stuff that you didn't ask for. You did not make that mess. You didn't ask for it. You didn't ask to have to figure out how to Make life work in the midst of struggles you never imagined. But here you are. So what is the only sensible conclusion? If the future is so uncertain, if the present for that matter is so uncertain, what can we do for guidance? We sure can't count on ourselves. The only thing that makes sense is to surrender to the Lord God Almighty every single day. When my knees hit the floor every morning, I say, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. Doesn't that give you such a boost of confidence to know that you've come to listen to an exposition on the word of God from a guy who doesn't know what he's doing? I asked my dad, dad, how did you know all this stuff when I was a kid? You knew everything. He said, I, I didn't know what I was doing. Good job faking it, man. Well done. He said, I didn't know anything. I didn't know what I was doing. Fact of the matter is, we we don't know what we're doing. We can't. We can't predict it. All we can do is trust. All we can do is trust God. And He loves us enough that He sent His Son, Jesus, to be our Savior. It only makes sense to trust a God like that. So I don't know what burdens you've carried into this room today. I guarantee everybody's got some kind of a load on their shoulders. Maybe it's a problem you didn't ask for it all and you're, you're like the people in this story stuck in the middle of things that you can't fix and yet you've got to deal with it. Whatever it is, give it to the Lord. Give God your mess if you're in the middle of a mess. He can be trusted with it. And that's the story. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name, Almighty God, that You might give us the courage to give You our mess. And may you redeem it and bring glory out of it. Thank you, Lord, for the promise that your hand is on all things. Lord, we read about this king and that king and this king and that king, but there's really only one king, and that's Jesus. We give him the glory, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So before I let you go, I want to say we've been talking about having a baptismal service. We planned that for the 19th of june then some very smart people reminded me what else is on june 19th it's father's day it's father's day so um that might be a little difficult so we may be looking for a couple weeks after that so if you talk to me about baptism you know let's let's get together on that it may be more like the the week in july after the fourth of july like the second sunday that's probably going to make a lot more sense. Well, that's all I got today. God bless you folks. Let's start that post-service roll. We will see you next time. God bless you. Lord willing, next week we'll finish up with Daniel chapter 12. And let's pray about where we go from there. We'll see you.